The Eagles lost Super Bowl 57. Their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator. What do we do now? Welcome everybody back to episode 82 of Thoughts from the Shade, but just not feeling the love. Nah, I'm kidding. All jokes aside, uh, welcome back. Appreciate everybody listening, following, etc. But man, it's uh, it's a sad day. It's a sad week. It's a sad time. Um, the Eagles lost Super Bowl 57 to Big Andy, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, there aren't many words. I'm glad we glad we waited a day to do this. Uh, I was in a severe state of misery Monday. Uh, we're on the road to recovery here Tuesday, but uh, it's going to take a while, take a long while to get over this one. Bomb, we've had close to 48 hours to stew on this, digest it. Uh, where, where do we even start? I mean, full disclosure with the people, we set up this recording session here this evening and, uh, there, there was no, no pregame plan. It was probably similar to Jonathan Gannon and the defensive staff, not much of a plan, uh, but just coming in and shooting from the hip. Yeah. I hope to, hope to have a little more success than those guys. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we'll get into the game. We'll get into key moments and some of the mistakes, but, you know, for me after that game, it was, it was anger. It was, it was, it was immediately kind of until bedtime anger with that ticky tack call. Then you wake up the next day and it's, and it's pure sadness. I don't want to say it's like close to a death, but I mean, this was one of the most fun teams we've had in, in Philadelphia sports history. And I felt like they deserved better in, in the biggest game of the year. Um, so, so definitely a bit depressed yesterday and then today kind of starting to come out of the fog and think about, you know, those key moments and those mistakes and ultimately what they need to get done next year in order to get over the hump. Yeah, I guess you got to move on at some point. It's tough. This one will, this one will sting for a while and people, people will laugh. People are laughing at me. Gee, you're, you're not on the team. You don't wear the uniform. Well, we're not like the most outspoken, um, you know, verbal, tribal fans, but like we, we live and die with this shit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, 30 years on, on earth, this has got to be the, the top loss on the list. And, you know, just to go back to like before the game, texting with my brother who's out of town and, and, and my old man who I'm not watching the game with Sunday. And I'm just like, this is the first time I've been nervous for an Eagles game all year. Like obviously the Giants and San Fran feeling pretty confident. Um, they were rolling through the regular season and then Sunday rolls around and you put, you put countdown on, you see all the festivities, the theatrics, and you're like, damn, all right, this is, this is really it. We're going up against the best quarterback in the league right now. You know, the arguably the second best team throughout the, the entire season. And you're then, and the nerves actually hit you for once. And I'm just like, damn, like we we could lose this one, and it's it's going to sting real bad, and, and and it certainly does. But I think it, I think it, that feeling, that pregame feeling, just kind of speaks to how good this team was, and, and not being nervous all year, um, because they they were great, and it, it was uh it it was a smooth ride for most of the year. But I guess I would just say, bomb. Like when when did it when did it kind of come into your mind that that we could lose this game? I mean. You were you were pretty confident last week. I received some feedback that the bomb was was maybe too confident, and uh, for me it was just like I I, th- I thought we had a chance. I thought we were going to get it done until I saw the flag on, on third and eight. And once I saw the flag, it was it was like when Patrick Kane scored that goal in overtime that nobody saw go in, and then you just see them celebrate, and you're like, "What's going on?" And you, you see an incomplete pass. Everything looks good. 
timeout left, minute and a half. No, it's at least tied. So, yeah, yeah. There was a little more than a minute and a half, and uh, you're like, all right, we, we we got a shot here. And then the 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 late laundry comes out and, and just kind of hits you like very oddly, but you you just knew it was over then. Did you, did you have any doubts before that point? Unlike you, I I, I felt no, zero nerves day of the game. Um, the Chiefs win the toss and I'm sitting there texting with Party Marty and I go this cannot be setting up better like dumb dumb Andy Reid defers we get the ball we drive down the field we score and then we start pinning our ears back and we knock this fucking quarterback out and they did it. They 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 stuck to the recipe. They got up seven nothing. Obviously, the Chiefs moved the ball. You know, we're going to talk about the conditions of the playing surface a bit later. But sticking to the game, it didn't start to creep into my mind what was occurring until end of the first half. Eagles get the ball. The Chiefs botched the end of half situation and gave them the ball back heading into halftime. They hit a shot down the sideline to Devontae Smith. Three feet, football move, out of bounds. They go to uh, uh, snap the ball, you know, gets reviewed, and, and they and, and they overturn it. And that has been a catch for probably four and a half, five years in the NFL. And, 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 and I didn't see a conclusive shot that saw that ball hit the ground. So now you have a team that has to settle for three. I didn't love the the fact that they didn't pop a timeout with about 48 seconds left. They let the clock tick down, and then, you know, the play calling is what it's going to be, right, in that moment, pick up some yardage, get in a field goal range. You're up 24 to 14. The quarterback's limping around, and you feel good. But in that moment, it's like, man, this could have been 28 to 14. I, I, I wish – I wish um, we took advantage of that. I wish the league didn't job us on that review. But I'll tell you, when I when I originally, you know, it was that moment, and then immediately immediately after halftime, G, when the name Chad Henney comes out of the mouth of Nick Sirianni, I thought to myself, that's not a good omen. That's just not a good omen. What was that? Did I miss that? End of the uh, end of the halftime show, they come back. They go to the sideline reporters. You know, the one sideline reporter goes, "As per Chiefs policy, Andy Reid doesn't do interviews when he's losing. Fucking loser." And then they go, "Oh, Nick Sirianni. Oh, Nick Sirianni. What did he have to say? We're going to be ready for whoever comes out, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or Chad Henney." I, I, I was stunned, and, and I get what he's saying, but pal. You can't even – the fact that he let that slip to a reporter on the sideline at the end of halftime, what were they talking about in in the in the fucking locker room then? Were they talking about Chad fucking Henny from 2005 at Michigan marching down the field? I mean, come on, man. What are we talking about here? Our guy Gotham City Vig last week said the, you know, the, the extra long halftime for the Super Bowl can, can really change momentum and – I think it did. Uh, you talked about that that last drive before halftime. Even uh, I believe it was a first down play, and they completed the the pass to Gainwell. And when he was tackled, there was maybe ten seconds. I thought you could have popped popped a timeout there and took an end zone shot, but they just let it run down to like four seconds. And then yeah, they get they get out of the locker room, and, and Kansas City marches right on. It's uh, I don't know. Yeah, that that the end of the half, and then also. The, uh, I think A.J. Brown kind of alluded to it today. There's some people uh, up in arms about his comments, but when they settled for the field goal to make it 27-21, uh, I had a little bit of doubt there as well. I mean, you had a couple plays earlier. I think it was a nice shot to, to Quez that he dropped that I think would have put us in a goal-to-go situation or, or deep in the red. Yep. And he drops the ball, so then that's that, that, that ends up being three and – the way our defense played three, I mean, what did we score? Eleven second half points. Like that was just not going to cut it the way, the way the defense was playing. But it's, I mean, you can't can't pin this game on the offense. Obviously, the Jalen Hurts turnover kills. I mean, the guy hasn't made a play like that all year. Um, but but stuff happens, and and he, he he rebounded right away. I mean, he came came right back out and let us down the field for seven, I believe. 
Um, so that stuff kind of happens, but it's a quirky turnover. It's a, it's a punt return that we can't cover and not making any adjustments uh, in the red zone, really, really for me. I mean, you put up 35 points in a game. I don't care who you're playing. You, you should expect to win the game. Uh, I think the offense certainly deserved better. I hate to talk after the game about, oh, well, really the defense only gave up 24. Um, you know, and you add it up, and that's what the numbers say. But that really, that that's really not the that's really not how this game evolved. We could talk about the Hurts fumble, say Malu, you know, jumping off sides to back it up to, to third and six, and then I hated the play call when when they called it. I hated the QB draw there when they called it. Give the guy the option. Get, roll him out. Move him around. Give the guy the option to throw. Um, loses the ball, they score. But I, I just – to sit here and blame – I hear people blaming the game on, like, that specific play and say, oh, well, if they didn't give up the touchdown, they win the game. Well, not really. There were some benefits to the Chiefs scoring on that play, and we talked about it in real time. You kept Mahomes on the sideline. The time of possession was warped. Warped, G. The Eagles went 11 of 18 on third down. They went two for two on fourth down. They had the time of possession. And you lose that game. That is fully on the defense. I'm sorry. You, you give up a bad special teams play. You give up a, a defensive touchdown to the other team. I understand that those types of plays are, are losing tendencies in, in specific games. But at some point, somebody on the defense has to step up. Somebody's got to make a play. Uh, your defensive coordinator has to get his head out of his ass and uh, stop thinking about what suit he's going to wear, uh, you know, the following day at his introductory press conference. I-, I was disgusted. I was appalled. Obviously, I think some of it's the playing surface. I think, you know, of the two teams, the Eagles were neutralized more by that turf. I, I thought it totally disadvantaged our defensive line. But at the end of the day, I sent you the article, you know, last night, back in that 2018 London game, Eagles versus Jags, um, Jim Schwartz blitzed about 36% of the plays, roughly about double what he did all regular season. He, he was a, he blitzed teams roughly 18% of plays. He doubled it up. They asked him after the game, why did you blitz so much? Were you breaking tendencies? He goes, no, we couldn't get a grip with our D-line. The field was bad. We had to heat him up. We couldn't wait around. And there, there was no adjustment. When you look at even four and a half minutes left, we're playing fucking zone, letting them march down the field. That... We talked about, right, the idea that the red zone isn't the 20 or the 22 into the end zone. In that situation, the red zone is fucking midfield. You have to stop them within the first two sets of downs. And what do they do? They, they play off. They, they don't bring any heat. You got Darius Slay playing in a fucking zone, pushing Juju Smith-Schuster out of bounds. It was one of the most gutless. I mean, if I'm going to lose, I'd rather lose giving up a touchdown over the top putting the ball in the hands of my offense and saying, you know what, guys, we're living and dying by you. Get down the field, score, we're going for two. That's the end of the day. Our defense didn't even give us that opportunity. No, they didn't. And the guy leading the show, J.G., I don't think he did much work uh, studying up Todd Bowles, our boy Todd Toilet Bowles, and what he was able to do to neutralize the Chiefs a couple years back with the Bucks in that Super Bowl. And then, again, uh not not to keep riding the Batman, but he put it out on Twitter last night. The Cincinnati Bengals have been a nightmare for the Chiefs these last few years, and what do they do? They play zone in the red. And wh- where did you see the Eagles get killed? Playing man-to-man in the, in the red. Andy dials up that motion, and Darius Slay is playing center field as Kadarius Toney is out in the flat. Uh, Could have got a haircut, smoked a cigarette, and ate lunch before he walked into the freaking end zone. So, yeah, it was just there there was no adjustment. There was no creativity. Um, You know, it was – you talked about it weeks ago, do what got you here. I mean, they did that, but what's gotten JG here is getting torn up by, like, the better quarterbacks in this league, and that's that's what happened Sunday. Yeah, and I don't want to discount the, the field. Like, I think that totally fucked the Eagles. You know, the, I think the Chiefs are more like bull rush power guys. The Eagles are speed up the field, bend, tilt, stunt. And, and in order to do that, you have to you have to be able to cut. You have to be able to, um, 
you know, play with some tilt. And I don't want to discount that. But at the end of the day, if you're the defensive coordinator and you see Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick turning the corner and both of them going down, don't you think to yourself at some point in a big moment, we got to bring heat into the A-gap, straight up the gut, make Mahomes freaking run around and, and slip and fall. No, we don't do any of that. We, we, we play soft zone. We're going to let Travis Kelsey run all over the field. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to do a TikTok dance. And then when we get into the red zone, we're going to play man-to-man. We're going to bring Avante Maddox with his fucking bent toe out, uh, you know, from the grave. And we're going to say, Avante, go get him. And he's in a dead sprint on a fake jet sweep. Dude, wasn't even looking at the receiver. Wasn't even looking at Sky Moore. He's in a dead sprint to the other side of the field. These guys, man, I mean, it's it's the coaching. It's it's the whole thing. And, and, and to die by a concept that Doug dialed up in week four, when you know... That, that, that the Jaguars and Doug Peterson is an Andy Reid disciple, and you th- maybe you think to yourself, huh, huh, well, similar offense, what would they do in the red zone? Let's go back and look at week four with Doug, who, you know, coached under Andy. Bang, fake jet sweep, little kick out to the, to the back or the, or, or the receiver. We, 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 we not only weren't prepared for it, they ran it twice. Yeah, twice, and I don't know if it was back-to-back – scoring drives in the second half there but yeah it was it was like groundhog's day watching that continue to go on um i don't i don't know what else there is to say um i mean you got you got to tip the cap to andy a little bit right like total, totally schooled us uh or school schooled our defense schooled jg um so so a little tip of the cap there but i don't know man it's just it's just really unbelievable to for it to go down the way that it did uh and the other thing that that i'll say and, and it's not the discount is his greatness and how 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 great he played and pick, picking us apart making it look easy but how about patrick mahomes gets tackled before halftime on, on a third down and they're giving us the ball back i think they're down a score right they're down 21 14 he, he gets tackled after a little scramble and he, he's up limping right and we and we go down. We go up ten. He he comes out of halftime like he's like he's got a new leg. I, I mean, th- there was no no limp when when, when they're in the game and, and when they're coming back. Um, but but when shit was hitting the fan and they're giving up the ball ball and we're gonna take a two score lead. He's he's limping around like I I just don't know that I'm I'm buying. I was buying the limp. No, I, I I wasn't either. And 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 before the half when he when when he was limping around and putting his head on the shoulder of his coach like he just got shot. Um, and then you watch him go into the tunnel. He's walking pretty good and comes out of the tunnel after halftime walking pretty good. And it seemed like the more they score, the better the ankle felt. This guy's like oh, yeah. a European soccer player. And I want to know. I, let me ask you something. You got TJ Edwards who did fucking nothing all fucking game. He didn't, he didn't do shit all game. And he's got he's got Mahomes in space ready to wrap up. And that exact tackle where Mahomes comes up a little gimpy, faking the, the ankle injury, he's got a chance to grab and twist. Grab and twist the guy down, okay? Do, do we ever take a 15-yarder and knock somebody out? I'm looking at Chiefs players, but helmet to helmet on Devontae Smith, rolling his ankle up. We're ready to knock out Smitty. Thank God he's such a tough guy in a game where he pops right up. But we got Mahomes one-on-one with our fucking linebacker from Wisconsin, a Big Ten guy, one of your guys. And what does he do? Just put, places him down on the field. Here you go, Patrick. Go get treatment. We'll see you in the second half. It's the softest shit I've ever seen in my life. And that comes from Gannon. Yeah, they had, I, there was a play going – the Chiefs were going right to left, and Mahomes was on the boundary that's on the top of the screen. And it, it was in the red zone. He got down to, like, maybe the five or the three. And we missed a couple tackles, man. But he he was he was vulnerable as hell, and like nobody wants to light him up. He he didn't attempt to slide. He wasn't looking to go down. He was looking to make a play, give him some credit. But nobody on our end wanted to light him up, you know, or, or give him a lick. I, it's it's mind boggling to me. And we're screaming, st- take the penalty. It's half the distance. Yeah. Knock the fucking guy out. Yeah, the the stakes are that high, and we're we're looking to lay off. I just. I don't understand. It was uh, it was a very I don't want to say uncharacteristic performance because you know we've seen 
we've seen the defense kind of play that way before. It was uncharacteristic from the D line, but uh, you know the the back seven was was exposed for for what it truly is. I think. I just I and I don't want to turn the page next next year. But I'm I'm done with these linebackers, Kaiser White and 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 uh, TJ Edwards. Um, I, I I frankly I would have made the move after halftime once I saw them marching. Nicobe Dean, go out there and kill somebody. Go get him, Nicobe. You know, you, let's start playing some SEC football. That's what we need, man. I mean, every, everybody that that we've done that with or that we've thrown into the fire from. Bama or Georgia, I mean, they're 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 ready to fight. They're ready to to play some tough football. Um, obviously, Jalen Hurts and and you mentioned Devontae Smith. I mean, what a, what a game, what an effort out of him. Uh, yeah, it's I, I think it's Nickobe time at at linebacker, no doubt. But was was the only guy who got a QB hit on Mahomes? Was it Jordan Davis? He's did you see the way he like smashed his head, landed on him? That was fucking great. He was the only guy who got a hit on. Yeah, I mean, he was. He was uh, untouched back there, just picking us apart. It was it was tough to watch. I don't know, man. Like, I just you got to feel for the offense. You, you got to feel for Jalen Hurts. Obviously, not to beat a dead horse. The turnovers, like one of the big plays in the game, big deciding factors, uh, changes momentum and the, and obviously the score. But I mean, the guy the guy played outstanding, and not that we had any doubts coming into this game about him but like he's gonna get paid and I think I think he's earned every penny at this point yeah and this talk yeah. about Reed like you know Sirianni Steichen Gannon I don't think they had clearly didn't have the best game plan I mean offensively I thought the game plan was fine they scored a lot of points um I thought Sirianni managed the game better than Reed um and, and and when I say that, I mean, like, challenge decisions, go for decisions. Like, Andy Reid kicks an extra point to go up eight uh, and allows the Eagles to go down the field and, and convert the two-point conversion. That, to me, was like a bad decision. And and still, he gets bailed out because Gannon doesn't know when to man up and play, and play man, lets them march down the field, and then they give up the penalty. So... You know, all this talk about Andy Reid, yes, offensively, conceptually, scheming-wise, great, but I, I didn't think it was his finest hour in terms of game management. And the fact of the matter is to lose to Andy Reid with, like, zeros on the clock where he didn't do – he really didn't manage it right. It's just we didn't manage it right. Like, we basically handed it to him at the end of the game. Like, that that hurts. That that hurts because normally that's us on the other side with like throwing the Hail Mary with eight seconds left. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, dude, it's odd like sifting through it now, talking it out. Like, did Jonathan Gannon just do the exact opposite of, of what should have been done? Like, he played, played zone, you know, between the red zones and then he, he manned up in the red zone when really it should have been maybe man all the way down to the red and then and then zoned up. It's just totally ass backwards from Especially what I think a lot of people thought we were going to see. Especially at the end of the game, five minutes left. You know that if they, if they, you know, wind the clock all the way down to nothing, you lose the game. Like, I, was it you or some, someone who said this, that, you know, Jim Schwartz, when uh, when they were in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, Jim Schwartz says, I'm, light, I'm lighting them up. Because either they're gonna either they're gonna score and you'll get the ball back, or we're gonna you know create a play or, or get a stop. And none of that aggression occurred. You have a field that was an ice skating rink, which is an absolute fucking joke, which we'll get to. And JG again in the A-frame, Ben Hat sitting there with the fucking little pussy jaw that he's got, getting ready to wear his Arizona Cardinals red this week. I, I'm he to me. Is public enemy number one? Actually, sorry, that that's not fair to JG. Have? He's number two. George Toma, number one. Yeah, I guess I guess we got to get to the field, but just to just to to close on that, like, yeah, he was he he was ready to let him march um, methodically when, when time was of the essence, which just makes no sense. Really poor poor game plan, but. We won't have to worry about him 
anymore. We'll have to replace them, which might be a tall order, but I think the Eagles are an attractive destination, no doubt. Uh, and I, I think, I think JG might be like the perfect hire for for that dumpster fire that is Arizona right now. Do the do the Cardinals know that like <laughs> Gannon's not calling the defenses for the other team when Kyler Murray's running around? Like they they do realize he's got to coach Kyler Murray, right? I don't know if they do honestly, but yeah, I mean, we've talked uh, in the hours since the game. Um, I know it's been it's been a hot topic, but you've done you've done some really deep diving uh, on the field on the side. I, I don't want to steal um, the coin term side gate. You know, I've heard that from other uh, Philadelphia media sources, but we'll we'll just jump on um, and piggyback on, on what started. But you you've done a serious deep dive on, on side gate here. Yeah, I have. I've been reverse engineering the Oklahoma State um, connection, reverse engineering the connection with the Sod father. And and this is, you can call it sour grapes. At the end of the day, our biggest advantage, our defensive line against the gimpy quarterback was neutralized by the playing conditions. I mean, it would be like asking, uh, you know, a finesse hockey team, to, to come play at the Spectrum in July uh, with no air conditioning on. And by the way, you're playing the Broad Street Bullies. Oh, well, of course they're not going to be able to skate. Well, both teams are on the ice. Well, one team plays finesse. One team's got speed. So don't tell me it's the same fucking thing in the same field for both. And what I need to ask people is this question. If what happened on Sunday occurred against the Patriots and we found out after the game, that the head turf groundskeeper who works for the league was a Patriots employee for 30 plus years and was gifted a ring during their last Super Bowl. How would you react to that, G? And then you couple it with the fact that they're, they get the sideline shot from Fox, all the new cleats the Eagles are testing out in the middle of battle. And they say, not one Kansas City chief has changed their cleats. How would you react to that? If it was the Patriots, I think I think you'd have to be all over it without a doubt. And, and we're just supposed to accept it. Oh, both teams! Oh, both teams played on the field. Both teams played on the field. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Now I, I definitely hear. I hear it for sure. I th- I think there's got to be legs to it. You think maybe the Chiefs at least had s- some some cleats, some footwear intel. Um, but like, it's not like this guy got assigned like after the AFC Championship game, right? Like he 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 didn't jig up this field in, in two weeks. This is, apparently has been I don't know if it's been a, a, a several month long process, eleven or months, a few year long process, nine months. Yeah. So it, it's hard it's it's hard for me to think it's like a total total um, scam for the lack of a better word. But, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if the Chiefs had some cleat intel for sure. Um, I don't know if if you were going to get to it, and I'll let you – I'll kind of let you go on because I know you got more. But uh, I got to give a shout-out to this this fellow on Twitter, Ali Connolly. He charted the slip side gate. Yep. So he went back and watched it. And I, I got I to throw this in too. Like – I kind of wanted to go back and, and rewatch the game from start to finish Monday, yesterday. I couldn't do it, man. So, like, any Eagles fan out there that, that was able to put themselves through that again, like, God bless. I know, like, the football professionals, the, the diehard football people, like, they got to do it for, for work or they study tape or whatever. Like, I, I wanted to, to do it again. I fired up, like – the highlights and I couldn't even get through the highlights again. So shout out to anybody that, that could continue to, to watch it. But this guy, Ali Connolly on Twitter, he went back and rewatched it and, and charted the slip side gate. The Eagles defense had a player slip on 38% of Patrick Mahomes dropbacks. Five times they had multiple slippages. The Chiefs defense had a player slip on only 14% of Jalen Hurts dropbacks with no multiple slippages. So 
I don't know if they, if they have better balance or if they had better cleats, man. But but clearly, uh, and different styles, right? Bull rush versus speed, a little bend, a little tilt. So don't tell me it's yeah, the same the, field. The the, the chief, you could you could see the Chiefs when they got pressure. It came from the middle. They they were going straight line where the Eagles typically generate pass rush from the edge and and getting around corners. So it it makes sense. It, it does make sense. I'm not I'm not going to roll it out or call you a complete loon or anything like that. Well, let me ask you something. That you, you, I, I, I proposed the theory, if this was the Patriots, what would you say? There was so much talk about this field before the game. You go back and look at the talk about the field before the game. And this old fuck, I don't care that he's 94, George Stoma, okay, um, worked for the Kansas City Athletics, the Kansas City Royals, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chiefs for 30 years, again, just keep in mind, they don't give Super Bowl rings out to every Tom, Dick, and Harry. They gave this guy a Super Bowl ring. He hasn't worked there in 30 years, but he works the Super Bowl turf. He works that. So this guy, in the lead-up to the Super Bowl, this is the second-best grass the Super Bowl's ever seen. The second-best grass. So first of all, why does he say that? Why doesn't he say it's the best? Why doesn't he say it's a top-ten field Second best seems to me that he's going through his head and thinking about all the different fields he's worked on. And there's only one other field that stands out. So how could a guy that's known as the sod father, a guy who's been in the business for decades, a guy who takes presumably pride in his job, or maybe just pride in helping his team win and get an unfair advantage, how is it that he could be so wrong from second best field to worst playing surface these guys have ever played on at any level. Ask yourself that. So you you look on Twitter and you look at all these other turf professionals, G. And then this is like a conspiracy. You know, oh, I'm, I'm a crazy guy. And we got Jessica Lenahan. She's from uh, PSU Turf, your 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 your, your institution. Okay. <laughs> As turf men, I mean, this sounds like a nurse during the during the, the height of COVID. As turf managers all over the world, each of you should have a better understanding of the unique conditions each playing surface is put under, regardless of its age. I'm disappointed to read all these tweets spreading misinformation about the field from other professionals. So you can't have a professional opinion about the fucking field? Are you kidding me? Misinformation? We got Hassan Reddick, basically the best defensive player in the league, slipping every play, and it's misinformation. Come on, man. So they interviewed George Thoma, the second best field. One I've seen, I've, I've done a deep dodge. There's been one news site that's interviewed this guy. And it's like a Las Vegas news site, like some sort of third-party independent newspaper. What does he have to say after the game? Listen to this old fuck. Quote, It could have used a little more sand, and with all the rehearsals, that pounded on the grass. Otherwise, the field played pretty well. Holy fuck. Now, I know vision isn't a covered benefit in Medicare, so maybe this old fucking guy just can't see. But that was the worst field. But then they ask him another question. So, you know, George, you're the sod father. What happened during the week? Listen to this. Because they keep showing the pictures of the the field being, you know, on the tray going out in that big, beautiful sun. And getting a little baking in on the sun and growing the field. Gee, here's the quote from George Thoma. It was brought in on Wednesday and stayed in there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday, with all the rehearsals, that's pounding on the grass, and it puts more moisture in there. The field did take a beating from the entrance, 30 feet wide and 60 feet long, and it was kind of wet from pounding, pounding, pounding. A little more sand would have helped. We couldn't do much after Wednesday? Hang on a second here. Hang on a second here. Uh, I'm no arborist. I'm not a freaking, you know, a biologist. Gee, but you, you know, you went to Cold Spring Elementary. You, you did the whole biology thing with the chlorophyll and the Krebs cycle and the sunlight and helping the plants grow. You got a field that's sitting in that place for days before the Super Bowl 
And the, and the sod father, the guy who's the expert, says, quote, we couldn't do anything after Wednesday? Are you fucking kidding me? It's terrible. No, it's it's terrible. I think back, like, now, now again, you're convincing me. Because um, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to sound like those crazy 49er players or 49er fans and, and bitch and moan about the officiating, the field, and this and that. But, like, now I think back to a video that the Eagles put out, like, earlier in the season, and it was, like, the 24 hours to go, like, the 24-hour countdown before they played Dallas on Sunday night. And they interviewed, like, the field guy, like, the, the Lincoln Financial Field, like, turf guy. And he's like, yeah, we, we check it, like, the day before we walk on it. We, we check check the field, make sure it's safe, make sure it's good. And then we, we check it again, like, you know, the morning of kickoff and then four or five hours before kickoff, before these guys take warmups. And this old asshole just brought it in on the tray and let it soup up in that stadium for four days before the goddamn game. It, it, I mean, I, I don't want to make any uh, like real world comparisons uh, to people that hold positions of power or that are in charge of things, but like 94 years old, this guy is, and he was in charge of, running the, the show for the turf and it was the worst field that was you know that a lot of these guys ever played on it's uh it's suspect it's suspect for sure and and, and look i'll you know i'm just trying to lay out the facts Here, here's some more and we can move on after this piece but uh we mentioned oklahoma state what's the connection there oklahoma state wait hang on. what does oklahoma state have to do with football fields this is Yan Ki Wu, a plant and soil sciences professor at Oklahoma State. Um, quote, because the play- this is before the game, because the players run very quickly, there is a lot of traction on the turf, talking about the turf that they're using at the Super Bowl. So the turf needs to be very solid and dense. When players step on it, there needs to be no slipping and no divots. Tahoma 31 has a very good root system, so it holds its surface very well. So, so, like, you know, don't piss on me and tell me it's raining. You know what I mean? Like, you just talked about the, the root system. Clearly something went, went wrong here. So if it's not the grass, right, this guy's talking about, you know, the attributes of this particular grass. It had to have been the management or the install, which is directly on this guy, George Thoma, who works for the, works for the league but worked 30 years for the Chiefs. But it begs the question, Oklahoma State, right? They got this great turf. What do they play on, G? Well, let's 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 go to Mike Gundy. Um, he prefers artificial turf. <laughs> Boom picking stadium. They use AstroTurf, okay? Tahoma 31, you know, you do a deep dive. What does that mean? You know, is this some sort of naming convention? You know, I'm a pharmaceuticals guy. What do these names mean? Very strange names. So you type in the Google machine, G. Meaning of the word Tahoma. I sent you this, right? You, are you looking for a conspiracy theory? I got one for you right here. <laughs> By definite, and this is this isn't me clicking on some Yahoo website. This is Google serving it up in that card right at the top of the screen. So they're sourcing it from somewhere. By definition, Tahoma can mean mother of waters or that frozen water, both recognizing the glaciated peak as its significant source that it is. The word is also understood to mean large snowy mountain, a trait it certainly exemplifies. So Tahoma 31, what did the Chiefs score? What did the Chiefs score on offense? 31. Tahoma 31. 31. We got mountains of water. We got 31 points. What did Hassan Reddick say after the game? And I'll, I'll close on this. A couple times I had a good pass rush, felt like I beat my man, tried to turn the corner, and couldn't turn the corner. I'm not making excuses, but turn on the film. You're going to see what I said. At the end of the day, they still won, so credit to them. I get it. Still won. I get the Chiefs, you know, maybe they had intel. Maybe they had a different game plan based on the turf. We know the Gannon certainly couldn't adjust. But with the amount of eyeballs, with the amount of time, with the amount of gambling, with the amount of everything that goes on into this game, to have a team's historic pass rush totally neutralized by the playing surface stinks to the high heavens, especially when 70% of the money is on the Eagles. 
Well done. Well done, Bob. It's uh it's a travesty, man. I mean the Jalen Hurts turnover, the punt return, the holding call, and the turf, man. I mean those those are your big four big four turning points, I think. Um with with, with the turf, you know, the turf was there for all sixty, so I don't know what to say. It's just like these. How 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 is this even a topic or an issue for for the biggest game of the year, the most watched sporting event of the year? I'm, it's it's unbelievable. I, I I don't even know what else to say. The the only other thing I'd add is just let's talk about incentives, right? Obviously, as someone who's an Eagles fan, talking on a local Philadelphia podcast. You know, there's an incentive for me to do a deep dive into this kind of stuff and look into it and try to figure out, you know, who the players are. There's George Thelma and, you know, the, the, the company they bought the turf from was, but I'm, I'm not an investigative reporter. I, I, I certainly can't reverse engineer whether or not the installation of the sod was to specifications. So then you look at the professionals, the guys that do this for a living. You know, where's Jeremy Schapp? Where's Jeremy Schapp? Where are these guys? to dig into this and figure out exactly what happened. And, and let me tell you something, that will never occur. It, it's, it's left to guys like us because the, the rights to these games, th- th- you know, for all, all the different channels and the broadcast and the NFL, they, they have everyone cornered. They got NBC, they got uh, CBS, they got Fox, they got ESPN. There is no one, no one who is looking into this, nobody who's going to, Take a deep dive into what the hell is going on. It's it's disgusting. I mean, this is it's state run media with Roger Goodell. Yeah, and didn't Roger tell uh tell the tell the old man I need you to be neutral today or something like that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile he's Wasn't giving a big bear hug that? to Chris Jones and telling him, ah man, you know, that's not rough in the past, or this isn't rough in the yeah, it's it's uh, gee, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I don't care how you hit the quarterback. I think I heard out of Roger. It's tough, but you know what? Give credit to the Eagles, to the staff. Um, you know, they the guys mentioned like it was tough playing surface, but they didn't they didn't want to use it as an excuse. So like I can always root for root for those guys for for having that attitude and and leaving the uh the deep work to guys like Bomb out there, but yeah, it was it wasn't good. I mean, you, you saw them dropping like flies on, on some. of There was a play. It was Reddick and Sweat, and it, I think it was a play early that went to Travis Kelsey. Somebody clipped it and put it on Twitter, but both those guys are getting around the edge, and then they just drop like they got shot out of the sky. It's bizarre, but it's a shame. It's a shame we got to talk about it. It's a shame that it's it's a thing, um, but it was a factor. So it is what it is. Um, you know, it, obviously, you, you don't want it to be the the main thing, and you want to kind of say like, yeah, maybe we should have just played better defense, but our defense was was hampered by shit turf. Yeah, they're. I mean, obviously, they're hampered by the turf, and your and your best advantage is neutralized. But again, I mean, what's Gannon? Gannon, Gannon plays eight, eight to nine games a year there next year so like he's gonna have to figure out real quickly to like bring that a gap pressure with you know some blitzes from from his soft ass linebacker so um yeah it's not all on the turf at the end of the day it, it just doesn't look good when you have a chief former chiefs employee out there talking about how great the field is and then it's the worst field we've ever seen i mean you would have had a you would have had a better match here uh you know playing up the street at where the, the lenape valley indians play i mean that would have been a, a better playing surface for 100 million people to tune into yeah, that's that. That sounds like the real misinformation was his his thoughts on the field that that he built. Um, but we 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 didn't see anybody slip when they got totally worked uh, on those motion plays down in the red. So, what can you do, man? I don't I I don't know what else to say on the game. Um, it's just, it's just going to take a while to get over, man. Like it's it's, it's going to take a while. Um, we we had the Phillies lose in the fall. We have the Eagles lose now, and now all, all the Philadelphia. You know the Sixers are going to go to the finals and lose. No, they're not. 
Like, don't don't even don't even start on me with that. Like, this Eagles wound is still fucking raw, and we got people talking about, oh, well, the Sixers are going to go and, and lose that championship. Come on, don't even give me that. <laughs> don't I mean, worry, they'll let us off the hook much earlier than the finals. <laughs> yeah, as always. So, nothing to be surprised about there uh, when that when that debacle takes place but yeah this this is an all-timer i mean where where would you put it in terms of lifetime uh sporting event losses yeah i mean lifetime i don't recall this because it was too little but but i was i was alive for it um this has to be in terms of just like the way that they lost the suddenness of it the team you know the utter belief this has to be right behind the Joe Carter walk off home run to win the World Series. I, I don't know if I put it right, right at the top. I, I think it's right behind there because a, a walk off home run to like lose the World Series to me is just like the biggest kick in the balls. Yeah, that's tough. And you're, and you're a baseball guy. I, I, I'm with you. I don't. I can't say I, uh, you know, was was old enough or, or really remember that. I didn't have have true feelings uh to, to work with but yeah for I, I, this has got to be number one for me i mean even the the, the phillies thing was disappointing right but th- they got in as the last seed they made a nice run they ran into a team that was better and yeah they they blew a, a 2-1 series lead and it hurt that way but the eagles were the best team all year they were humming on offense um if jalen hurts gets that ball back with with a minute and change and a timeout, I've no doubt they at least go down and tie that game. And then you see what happens in overtime. But, like, what else do we have? Um, I mean, 4 was a Patriots dynasty. The Flyers' loss was a, a, a game 82 squeak in and get hot. Playing against a, a Chicago team that was a dynasty, a better team. Um, you know, Shaq and Kobe taking out the Sixers. This 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 is the top of the list for 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 my lifetime, and I'm I, I don't want to sit here and say I'm never gonna get over it, like I'm like I'm on the team or like I'm an athlete. I'm just some bum in a basement talking about it on a podcast. But you just don't know when you're gonna get back. Um, regardless of how good you are, you got you got to get some breaks along the way. The Eagles got some breaks along the way. Uh, doesn't take away from from how great of a team they are, but you just you don't you don't know when you're gonna get back and the next time you can get over the hump. Um, the one thing I did want to bring up, and I, I don't think I got, got to it during the game, but, like, how bad is it of a look for, for the NFL for the way that the last two Chiefs games ended, right? The 15-yarder on Cincinnati to, to put the Chiefs in field goal range and ice that game, and and then the flag on Bradbury to, to ice the Super Bowl. I mean, it, what... They can be the right calls, right? Um, I think both were, were pretty ticky-tacky, uh, and that they ultimately ended the respective games. I think I just think that's a terrible look for the league. Uh, it's breaks that the Chiefs got. I don't know, you know who's deserving, or that's not what it's about or anything. Like The Chiefs, Chiefs are a great team. Mahomes, great player. Andy Reid was, was the better scheming coach Sunday, but... For for those two those two plays are going to stick out to me for for a long time. Like when I think about the Eagles loss, I'll always think back to how the Chiefs got into the Super Bowl and then how they ultimately iced it. It's just really there's not like that signature play, right? There there was there's not the signature play like the signature Mahomes moment, like yeah, he won MVP and everything, but he didn't have the crazy fourth quarter drive or, or some heroic play. It was two flags that decided the end of the game which is awful yeah and yeah by the letter of the law probably probably penalties but you could have left the penalty flag in in the pocket and I think people would have been happier with that outcome across both of those games the other thing too though G is like it's, it's not only just those calls like if you recall they had an extra play in that Cincinnati game something I had never seen before where they're just like the punt team's on the field and then they just they're like no 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 actually wait hang on we we the the official came flying nobody heard them right we talked about that last week and 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 same with this right the Eagles get the playoff 
And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we didn't allow a substitution. Well, that's an officiating issue. You can't just go back and replay a fucking play. Yeah, they were they they got a number of extra plays that allowed times for reviews and just bad news. Just bad bad news. Um Yeah, I don't know I don't know if I had anything else anything else on, on that, but it's gonna sting gonna sting a while, man. I don't I don't know what's next. Obviously, uh here Tuesday we have Shane Steichen going to the Colts to be their head coach and Jonathan Gannon going to the Arizona Cardinals to be their head coach. So the Eagles will have to replace a couple coordinators. I think, uh, I believe, I think is, is this, is it Brian Johnson, the QB coach? Is that his name? Yeah. I, I would hope, you know, that's my initial thought. That would be my initial hope that he's just promoted to OC for the Eagles. Um, I don't know who you can get to be the defensive coordinator. I don't know who's out there right now. I don't really know if there's someone that's in line internally to get promoted. But like I said earlier, anybody that sees this Eagles team, the run that they just went on, the pieces they have moving forward, like if there's a high profile guy out there, or even if there's not, like it's, it's an attractive place to come and be the coordinator. So I'm not going to worry too much about, about those losses yet. I think, I think Steichen did a, did a great job and Gannon had a, had a rough go Sunday, but Overall, had a had a pretty solid year. Maybe maybe the D line covered up some of his his holes or his blemishes, but uh, I, I'm not totally concerned about losing either of those guys. I'll be curious to see if Nick S gets gets the play calling duties um, with with the new O coordinator. That'll be something to keep an eye on. But just uh, got got to keep rolling here and uh, get back to work next year. It'll be a tougher schedule. I think uh, might be an opportunity to get a rematch with the Chiefs on Thursday night, opening night next year. The Chiefs are on the schedule. So uh, any thoughts on, on the loss in the staff bomb or, or any other th- tidbits uh, nah. on the birds here? No, nah, nothing on the staff. Couldn't give two shits. Those guys can kick rocks, especially Gannon. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do have some thoughts on like an opening week Thursday night matchup. I do have some thoughts on kind of the pulse of this fan base. I'll start maybe with the pulse and then give you give you my preview for the Thursday night season opener. Um, I heard people after this game and in the aftermath of this game this week talk about the bright side here. G, have you heard this? No, and like. I'll let you. I'll let you keep going, but it, it's like the people that were drawing up the Phillies lineup card the day after Jordan Alvarez hits a fucking bomb, Alf, Alvarado that rips the heart out of the city. I mean, and these people just turn the page so quick. I mean, I'm definitely more devastated over the Eagles' loss for sure, but it's it's unfathomable how how quick the page has turned. I've heard multiple people like call in. I've heard people talk about this just like in social settings and conversations with others. Well, you know, it was a tough loss, but at least now we know that, like, Jalen Hurts is a franchise QB, can lead you to a championship. Assholes, we've known that since, like, week two. Like, you're, you're talking about something we have known. Literally, you and I were talking about it last year. Oh, well, this is the year we determine whether or not he's the guy. He's been the guy! They got the one seed! And we're talking, oh, oh, Jalen's the franchise guy. Shut the fuck up! Yeah, this wasn't the figure it out year. I mean, I think it was, but we figured it out pretty early. Yeah. Is is the point? I mean, these are probably the same people that were calling in last week and saying, "Oh, we can't fucking lose this game. There's no chance we lose." There's no, and yeah, everybody was confident and, and rightfully so. But the stupidity of these people to say there's no chance we lose. It's where do you get that from? Like the Chiefs were a good team. And it, it, it was a tough game, and, and we did lose. And, and there was always a chance we were going to lose. We were a one-point favorite or one-and-a-half-point favorite. I mean, what what were our, our percentage-wise percentage is probably 53%, 54 55% chance to win the game. Like, And we can't lose. But now, but now hey, at least we found our franchise quarterback. Oh, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, and then the only other thought, if they do, if they do the season opener – I'd imagine it'd have to be Eagles at Arrowhead. Do they play the AFC West next year? Is that how that works? I don't know if it's the AFC West, but I know the Chiefs are on the schedule. I know that for a fact. 
So if they play at Arrowhead next year, uh, here's here's what I propose. I think the Philadelphia Eagles need to get off the bus wearing all hockey gear. From the skates down to the rubber little fucking, you know, things that they have on the on the blades to like uh, a, a Philadelphia Flyers themed football helmet to the sweater. I think this team, particularly if I was Jeffrey Lurie, I'd make a mockery out of the fact that I am one of 32 people. I am a shareholder and a stakeholder in the NFL. And our our dumb, dumb commissioner, who's a bozo, allowed some 94-year-old fuck to go out there and screw up the Super Bowl. So if I'm the Eagles, I'm preparing with every type of footwear, skates, flip-flops in case, you know, because George said you need a more sand. Well, in case he oversands it, we got to bring flip-flops. You know, the old uh, waffle boards that you wear out in Alaska in the snow? We need that. We need the skis. I would show up. Bring, bring Ruben, Michael Ruben. He used to own a ski shop in fucking Kashiakin. Maybe he can get us some, you know, Eagles-branded skis. If I was a Philadelphia Eagles player and I'm Hassan Reddick, I show up with every piece of athletic footwear known to man. And that's how I walk in on NBC Thursday Night Football season opener. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, you get the the live footage of the Eagles getting off the bus. Somebody's got the two ice skates hanging over their shoulder. Another guy's got, like, I don't know, the the flippers that you wear for scuba diving. Somebody's got water shoes. Somebody's got skis. We got a snowboard, snowshoes, rain boots. Bring it all. Bring bring it all out and carry it in for the cameras and just make a mockery of it because – you don't know how the turf's going to be, man. You got to got to be prepared for for all the conditions. <laughs> Too good, man. Too good. Any other thoughts or I don't know. I'm it's like it's sad to sad to wrap the show. It's sad to wrap the season. Uh we'll we'll continue pressing forward on TFTS. Um you know, we got a little bit of a dead spot here, but golf's picking up. The tournament, the tournament will be here. We'll have NHL, NBA playoffs. Um, you know, get ready to laugh, laughingly lock in on the Sixers um, and, and wait that one out. I, I told, I told people, I'm, I'm getting locked in. I started watching the Sixers with that Saturday game against the Nuggets. They got waxed by the Celtics the other night in typical fashion um, without Jalen Brown and Horford and, and company. They just have guys wide open knocking down threes and somehow guarding up and beat and everything like we can't get anything done. So they're, they're, they're in mid season form. The record's great looking like, you know, some promise for the processors out there, but we all know how it's going to end, but we'll, we'll, we'll lock in on that and just laugh, I guess. Um, but no, it's, it's been, it's been tough. It's been a tough couple of days. It's a tough episode to record. Um, but only only place to go is up, man. The only place to go is up. Our boy Jalen Hurts got asked today about the contract situation. He said, "We'll talk about that another day." I'm just I'm just focused on winning. So he's the best, man. Like I'm not trying to be the caller that's saying we got our franchise quarterback, but like we knew it. He he solidified himself with a with a huge performance and on the biggest stage, like I'm just so, so glad that, that we got a guy like this leading the charge going forward. So totally agree. And I'd say the the benefit of having a guy like Hertz and, you know, these guys like Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean and Smitty is they're used to playing extended seasons and getting right back on the horse, win, lose or draw. And like even Hertz said it after the game, like I've been here before we've lost national championships. And like, you know, Bama and Georgia, like they come back, like reloaded, revamped, like ready to go opening day. There's none of it. I, I, I would be really surprised. And I know the schedule is going to be tougher. I don't, you know, we'll see what it is. It's tough to go 14 and three every year, but I, I'd be really surprised if, if this team doesn't come back and win, win the division because you have so many winners on this team. And I just think they're going to be that much hungrier. I'm with you. We'll have to, uh, maybe, maybe next week or over the next couple of weeks, we'll, Take a look at the free agents and, uh, you know, see who we want to keep, see who we want to let go. Maybe some of those decisions will be made by then. Got to think your boy, Bomb Howie, is uh, 
is on top of it and, and planning for the future. We'll we'll see maybe what we need in the draft. I think we got picks ten and thirty. The the order is official, um, but I don't. We we just we can't we can't be those people that start that work uh, the day after the loss. We're fans first. Got to sulk in it, man. It's a, it's an all time blow, but what can you do? The sun still comes up. You got to put your shoes on the next day and go to work. It is that's life. Well said, G. All right. Well, with that, we'll we'll wrap things up. We'll thank everybody for listening and uh, wish you wish you a speedy recovery uh, from this tragic tragic loss. Have a great week. We will talk to you soon. Peace.